I mean, Facebook is, of course, incentivized to focus on what gets public attention. And in other areas, it can make sense. If, if it's, for instance, misinformation, if a politician says the moon is made out of green cheese or something, I mean, is it really that bad? If a politician says the moon is made out of green cheese and then an angry crowd storms Cape Canaveral trying to hijack a rocket to fly to the moon and steal the cheese, then, I mean, they would, the media reaction would be much worse and this serves as a proxy of how bad it actually is. Hi everyone. Before we get started, I have to plug a few quick things. First of all, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available to order. You can read some chapter previews by following the link in the description below. Our sponsors, ExpressVPN, get 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN and get 25% off podcast hosting with Podium. Finally, if you're watching this on YouTube, please go check out odyssey.com instead. We are hosting all our videos there. If you're a creator, you can move your videos across with one simple click and you can earn cryptocurrency simply by watching videos and use it to tip your favorite creators like myself. So please check that all out if you want to support the show. Anyway, here's the podcast. So hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I'm here with Sophie Zhang, who is a Facebook whistleblower and data scientist. So Sophie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure to talk to you today. No problem. So um, before we start, uh, I have to quickly plug two things. First of all, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is available to order now. You can go check out some uh, chapter previews in the link below. And thanks to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, you can currently get 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN by going to the link in the description below. So, Sophie, uh thanks very much for joining me do you want to give a little bit of background maybe just on yourself and, and understand or let people understand who you are and what, what your background is before we go into the, the the whole saga oh absolutely so yes i'm sophie jung uh, i was a data scientist at facebook i joined in i joined in january of 2018 i was fired in september of 2020 and 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 so and so this was re- this was really just my second job out of grad school. I mean, be, be, I mean, I mean, I've been in the technology industry since to, in the Bay Area in, since 2015. Before that, I was I, I was studying physics at at graduate school before I ran away. And and and, and anyways, uh, and so at face so at Facebook, what I worked on the team was called fake engagement. And by fake, I mean inauthentic accounts, which can be fake accounts, hacked accounts. If I hack into your account and do something nefarious with it, or even self-compromised accounts in which actual people are persuaded to give over access to their account to let other people do nefarious things with it. And by engagement, I mean likes, comments, shares, etc. And so most people, when they hear this, their mind immediately goes to Russian bots, Brexit, the United States, etc. But the thing to realize is that most people, of course, are not politicians, and most people and most things on social media are apolitical. And and so, 
And so the vast, vast majority of this sort of activity isn't political in any way at all. Rather, it's ordinary people, people like yourself and me, who go on Facebook and make a post and see, oh, hey, my post on Facebook got five likes. Okay, that's good, I guess. And then I go, look, my friend made a post. It got 50 likes. I can see my post. I can see my friend's post. My post is just as good as my friend's. What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with me. The people just don't realize how great I am. I know how to solve this. I'll go on Google and search for buy Facebook likes, and this will clearly solve the problem. Because, of course, the vast promise of social media is that you, you have potential access to a vast audience and anyone can re- and anyone can really speak to the entire world. And the curse of social media is that most people do not actually get that vast audience. And because of the way it works, people see what's, po- what's popular, they naturally see people who are more popular than they are. Just as like, if you read the news, you hear about people who are more famous than you most of the time. <laughs> and so I'm sure this does not great sense to people's self-esteem or et cetera. And, and so that's where the vast majority of fake engagement actually goes and so and so and so my job was essentially to root it out but in my but in my spare time I was moonlighting to do to look at political activity which again was a vast minority of the actual abuse factor because most people are not politicians mm. so how big is the market for people buying engagement I really don't I I mean I mean, are you looking for a volume number, a percentage number? I, I don't know. Like, I can give you a guess, but I mean, the, the, it's it's quite it's certainly quite it's certainly quite large. It's it's more prominent in some areas than others. But I mean, if you Google by Facebook likes, you get plenty of results yourself. I mean, it's more normalized in some areas than others. Just like in Britain, for instance, I'm sure most people obey traffic signals. But if you go to other countries, people might see red lights more as a suggestion and drive through them anyways. And 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 so and so there's some and so I think there's a similar dynamic in some countries. It's far more normalized than others. And and and. And 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 so like there's certainly a significant market. There's certainly a significant market. There's um, I, I I mean I, I mean it's it's also hard to it's also hard to say precisely what what's because because you know you because you can see that something that something inauthentic was delivered, but you don't know precisely the the means by how it was delivered and what the exact source was. And and, and so it's hard to give a precise answer. And I'm sorry if that sounds like a quibble or a hedge, but I don't know what I don't know. No, no, it's, it's all right. I was, it was just, it just popped into my head. I was like, I wonder what, sort, like if you had any ideas of what sort of size that the amount of money that people were spending on this was. And um, that'll be an interesting one. If I find any uh, answers that I'll put them in the description below for I people. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can give you an estimate, but it would take me about a thing through it. <laughs> And I don't think you want me to do that during this interview. No, no, we'll we'll stick to to asking you about stuff you you know. Um, so, when you what made you want to start working at Facebook in the first place? Like, why did you why did you choose there? Well, I needed I needed a job in the Alfred one. I mean, I needed to. <laughs> so you weren't <laughs> but, you weren't like putting like a, a young girl like putting pictures of Mark Zuckerberg on your wall, being oh, like, I want to work no. for him one day. Oh, and, F, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. I was very open and upfront when I joined the company. I didn't think that it was, I thought that Facebook was not making the road a better place. And I thought that it was making the road a worse one. And that's, that's precisely why I wanted to join. I wanted to fix it. I was very upfront about that from the start. It just got harder and harder to achieve that within Facebook as time went on. 
Mm. So was there a moment when you went from realizing that or or trying to to raise flags about some of the stuff that you you've talked about in internally and when you realized that there was not going to be anything done within Facebook and you had to decide to go to to the press essentially and become a whistleblower? I mean, I mean I mean I want to, I want to be clear that I that I tried everything I could to fix it within the system. Like eventually they fired me, and even after they fired, said they were firing me, I offered to stay on as an unpaid volunteer because I thought that it was important for me because I was basically the only expert in an important area, and I thought it was important to stay on through the 20, 2020 elections. They refused, of course. <laughs> like, like, like certainly, certainly was making. I mean the the. I mean, the issue with trying to fix things from the ins, uh, trying to fix things is that it's it's always impossible to say what could have happened if you had done something else instead, or if you had some, done something differently, and maybe uh, and and especially since I had no authority of my own, and, and what I could get done relied on convincing people, and then frankly, I'm not very good at convincing people, and uh, but like it. I did get some things done that certainly would not have been ha- happened without me, but over, overall, it certainly got more and more difficult over time. And I mean, I think it, I, I realize that your podcast tends to be more on the anti-establishment side, but I think that institutions it, institutions have value, and it's important to try and fix things within the system to honestly say that you did everything you could to let them try and work before you escalate one step further. Mm. I mean. I mean, I mean, that's why, that's why, I mean, ultimately the institutions like government or church or whatever are what holds the world and society together. And, and so, and so that was, and so I was, and, and so I always tried as hard as I could to fix things within the system. And every time it didn't work, I escalated one step further. I mean, when they fired me, I offered to stay on and paid. When they when that didn't work, I, I posted a, 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 a farewell memo that blew up a bit. And when that didn't accomplish anything, I went to the Guardian. And every time I spent, I, I, I gave the system a chance to work before I went one step forward. And that's essentially what I'm still doing now. Mm. I mean, I, my, my anti-establishment nature tends to be that I would like the institutions to work like they are demand to rather than uh, desire to tear them all down. But um, what did you think that, that when you mentioned that when people were, that when you were going into Facebook initially, that you were thinking, okay, they're not they're not making the world a better place, as you said. What what specifically did you sort of identify at that point as as being a problem, and and you wanted to to try and help them fix it in some way? I mean, I th- I mean, like I I wasn't very sophisticated in my knowledge of Facebook at the time, but like many people. Like, but like many people, I was quite concerned about what had happened in 2016, and so, and so, essentially, I wanted to keep that from happening again. Essentially, was my idea. I mean, it was there wasn't more to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was very upfront. Uh, I was very upfront with them from the start. I don't think Facebook is making the road a better place. That's what I'm drawing. And if if a company is perfect, that there's nothing to fix there, and they want to fix it, <laughs> and the, they told me you'd be surprised how many people there think that. Mm. So what practices did you then uncover whilst you were working there? Um, just to, to give people an idea of the of the things that you're blowing the whistle about, that you're concerned about. 
so, so, so like I said, my, my main job was, was, was fake engagement, but in my spare time, uh, uh, but in my spare time, I moonlighted in essentially try, trying to find inauthentic, sophisticated political activity. And to the average layperson, these may sound quite similar, but they're, but, but they're quite different in scope and organization. It's sort of like the, the, the analogy that I'm going to use is the difference between a local village policeman in Britain and Scotland Yard. Like officially, there's sort of both law enforcement, but one is much more prestigious, well-trained, sophisticated, high profile than the other. And if you talk to a Scotland Yard policeman, you compare him to a local village policeman, he might get a bit upset at you. And 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 so, and and so in this analogy, I was local village policewoman who kept finding things that went up to Scotland Yard, and and so this created interesting dynamics because on one hand, in this analogy, Scotland Yard was happy that they kept getting this for free. On the other hand, they were maybe a bit annoyed. They were being shown up by a local village police person. They were given extra work and the local police, village police chief was unhappy. Why are you doing this instead of like, focusing on local village crime or et cetera? <laughs> and, 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 and so anyways, and so anyways, in, in my time at Facebook, I, 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 I caught multiple road governments, the government of Honduras and the government of Azerbaijan red-handed, both were essentially running troll farms to mislead and uh, to, to, to mislead and, and manipulate their domestic populace by, by running fake, fake, fake accounts, fake pages in vast numbers. And, I realize that most people, when they think of troll farms interference, they immediately think of foreign interference, but most people care more about their own country. Like Britainers care more about Britain than any other country, presumably Americans care more about America. And apparently the same applies to world governments. And 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 so when I when I first found the Honduras, I was very naive. I thought that I would find, that I found it, I'd hand it over to the right people. They'd care about it, problem solved. I can get back to my actual job. Instead, it was the start of a Sisyphean two-year ordeal. But and it 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 took it took almost a year to get to get to get action done on Honduras and 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 they re- returned almost immediately afterwards. And Azerbaijan took more than a year. So when, just to give people a good idea, because I mean, it's, it's talked about a lot that, you know, but there was, there was Russian trolls on Facebook who were, you know, interfering in the 2016 election or in the Brexit vote. And, and there's been allegations around the world of, of different campaigns like this. Um, some of which you, you have uh, brought to light with, with your, with your story. So what, what is it that the troll farms are doing what are these bots doing or attempting to do that is so bad so i'm just going to start up with a clarification so so people often use the word bots interchangeably to refer to both scripted accounts that don't have a real person behind them that are running a script like this at x time like that at x time etc and they also use the word bots to refer to to, to refer to actual people sitting at the computer who are doing things based on some campaign based fake accounts for etc and 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 this and 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 to the average layperson, they may seem similar, but they're actually very different because actual people are, of course, smarter than computer scripts. And it's the reason why you still have a job after all. Mm. 
and and for now. I mean, if someone could, if if someone made a bot a, a script that could pass the Turing test, they would be making trillions on Silicon Valley rather than running some running some shoddy troll farm for 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 Honduras or etc. <laughs> Hmm. And, and 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 so I want to distinguish between these two types of activity because they're commonly conflated. And what we see with literal actual bots and scripted activity is it's generally activity activity that it can be large in volume, but it's very stupidly run or silly. But like for instance, if you have a, politi- a British politician and all his funnels are from Bangladesh or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or if, or, or, or if, or if, or, or if, you, or, I mean, they're good at doing things in large volume, but they're not very smart about it or sophisticated about it. And actual people tend to be much more effective, but they're also much more pricey because, of course, because, of course, I mean, it, you have to pay people to do things. They don't do things for free. And and, 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 and so, so when you go online and, and purchase inauthentic activity, it's usually, it's usually, it's usually scripted inauthentic activity. And, and, and the actual sophisticated humans, they tend to be either dedicated to a specific area or contractors who are essentially operate as for higher mercenaries. And so, and so talking about, and so talking about what they're doing, I mean, it can depend in the, it can depend all over the place, um, but often it's to, it's but often it's to, I mean, when most when most people hear about hear about troll farms and etc., they immediately think about persuasion, and that's certainly one potential area. That is, the trolls convince people to do X when they intended, initially intended to do Y, and and that's some, and that's something. And, and, and that's certainly and that's certainly a, cons- a concern I have. And it, it takes a certain amount of sophistication, though, to do persuasion. In that you're not going to persuade someone by having a thousand comments and do a politician's page talking, saying "Great, congratulations, amazing, etc." Which is, I mean, the best you can do with shitty, with shoddy automated scripts. Because I mean, automated scripts are not very good at writing the creative comments or. And and I also want to be and 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 so and I also want to be clear that what I what I worked on was not was not the most cutting edge when it came to technical ability because I mean I wasn't highly trained I was looking for what I was I was looking, essentially catching the low hanging fruit because that was simply there because no one had gone out and looked for it before these were I mean um, I mean in in law enforcement you say innocent you're proven guilty and proving guilt can be hard at times but these were people who were essentially signing their name in the blood of the victim with their, with their own fingerprints they were the opposite of trying to hide and 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 so what I found was by definition not very technically adept at hiding because I found the people who were not trying very hard to hide and so I'm sure Russia is much more sophisticated, but I did not catch Russia because they were not completely stupid at trying to hide mm-hmm. because there are actual people looking for Russia or etc. And so what I found in, in and so anyways, go, going back to the point, I was talking about persuasion. 
so, 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 so the most sophisticated attempt at persuasion I saw was actually in India, and I realized that Britainers do not actually are not actually familiar with Indian political parties. So I'm going to use an analogy to translate this to a hypothetical example in the British context to explain. And again, just to be clear, this did not happen in Britain. I'm just trying to explain for a British context. So, 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 so for so for instance, Im- imagine that there's there's a local reduction there's a local reductions in Britain. Then actually, there were there, there were local reductions quite quite recently a, f- a few days ago. And so, imagine that in the lead up to the reduction in a constituency that works voted Tories, let's say there were lots of co- comments between below the between below the to- the, to- the Tory pa- the, the pages of local Tory politicians. The saying, I voted Boris Johnson because we needed to get Brexit done, but I'm voting Labour because we need because we need to something something Labour, etc. Etc. Et uh, 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 Boris Johnson is getting Brexit done. Now Labour will build a better country or something like that. I don't know Labour political slogans. I mean, I mean, so, so, so a lot of comments like that, except smarter than what I just said, uh, that are essentially trying to get crossover political support. And and so and so and and so that's certainly, and so that's and so that's an example of a campaign that I saw in India, not in Britain. Again, this did not happen in Britain. I'm using this as an example because I realize British people probably do not know Indian politics. And and so that's the thing that most people think about. And the second that I do want to highlight, it's that of perception hacking. In, and 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 there are multiple dimensions to perception hacking and thinking people are. Are more popular than they actually are. In countries like Britain, for instance, where, where Britain, of course, has a multi-party political system, so people have to decide who they want to vote for based on tactical considerations. Whether they vote for, they might they might want to vote against Labour, and so they have to decide: Do I want to vote Lib Dem? Do I vote Tory? Do I vote someone else? Etc. Or etc. And so and so in that case. Yeah, and so, in that case, the perception of how popular candidate it can make a can potentially. I'm not an expert. I'm not a political scientist. It can potentially make a difference on how many people actually vote for them. Because if you because if you say they uh, them running for running for parliament and and you and you have two likes on Facebook, people probably will not see you as very credible or something. And so, you have a vested incentive to be, make yourself seem more credible. And so that's one consideration. And the second that I'm more con- personally more concerned about is as follows. So in countries that are in, that face time periods of turmoil, like dictatorships, like countries that face the risk of good attack, revolution, popular uprisings, political scientists have generally said that in those times, pre- popularity it does not matter so much as the perception of popularity. And what I mean by that is this, because in a dictatorship, uh, people people have a strong incentive to pretend that they support the dictator because otherwise they'll face consequences. But they also, need, but if you're a dissident, then you also need to to make yourself known to other dissidents so you can band together and overthrow the dictator. And so it, you may end up with, with a situation in which everyone hates the dictator, but they're too terrified of acting and they think that everyone else likes the dictator. And so the dictator stays in place. 
and and so that and and because because in a dictatorship, when there's an uprising, when there's a coup d'état, then suddenly everyone needs to make a decision: do I support the do I support the revolution or do I support the government? And if you choose incorrectly, you may face death.、Mm. And and so people make the considerations based on who they think will win. And, and, and It's the same reason why, in many countries in in the old Eastern Bloc, the Warsaw Pact, dictators felt the need to bust in crowds to show to、uh, paid supporters to show that they still had the support of the people. Because if you're a dictator and you're speaking to an empty plaza, you're just an embarrassment. But the, but the thing about social media is that, like when you when you bust when you bust in actual crowds of actual people. You have to have actual people. Like, you, if 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 you if you go to a political rally, I, I no person can pretend to be a thousand at the political rally. I don't even know how that would work. But on <laughs> social media, one person can easily pretend to be a thousand supporters or such. So it makes it much more easily scalable. And they see this as essentially. And and so in 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 many countries like Andres and Azerbaijan, I see this as essentially a continuation of the busting crowds of the Eastern Bloc. And because popularity can have a, a very large impact on the survival of an、uh, authoritarian government, like the, the most dramatic example perhaps happened in Romania in 1980 during the Romanian Revolution. The, the dictator Nicolae Ceausescu he was speaking to a crowd of Bastian supporters in Bucharest when suddenly for the first time he was booed to his face. And this had never happened before. This was a crowd of Bastian people who were thought to, who were essentially incentivized to support him. In one moment he was the dictator who ruled with an iron fist and and had the terror of the people. In the next he was suddenly an old man shouting at people to get their attention. And the crowd turned on him in the streets of Bucharest. The revolution started in the capital. The next day, the army joined the revolutionaries, and within a few days, he was given a show trial and executed. And this is a very dramatic example, of course, but it it, it but it shows. But it, I think it succinctly illustrates why, in the old countries of the Warsaw Pact, dictators felt such a strong need to bust in supporters to show that they still had the support of the people because they knew what would happen if suddenly that was in question. Hmm. Like it's 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 kind of similar to the way in which,、uh, for example, in in America there in in two thousand sixteen when when Bernie Sanders was running for the Democratic nominee,、uh, Hillary Clinton obviously had a lot of institutional support and support online,、um, but Bernie Sanders was the one with like ten thousand people at his rallies. So it becomes. It shows you how it's easy to paint like a picture of popularity, but when it comes to who would actually go out on the street and and do something about, you know,、uh, go to protest something or go to support a candidate, that it it provides. Yeah, you get to see in when you get to see it in real life, you can know these people are real, and otherwise, it's it's very difficult to tell online. So, yeah, but yeah. but at the, but at the same time, like not everyone goes to political rallies. Not everyone goes. Not not every. I mean, I I, I mean, there are, there are plenty of people who vote who, who don't go to see candidates because they have actual day jobs. They don't want to see the candidates. They're cynical and think that all、oh, the candidates are the same, etc. And 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 it's it's one metric of support. It's certainly not all of them. Mm. Like, like, like,、um, and and especially when you add on the situation with the pandemic, it's there's there's additional dimensions to it,、mm. and 
but people see but people see support in person that's often more, more real than social media so you're basically saying that the problem is that people when, when you're going online that the the perception that someone is popular essentially leads you to perhaps support their popularity that, that we tend to i mean I think that's the pop. I think that's the pop. That's the popular assumption, but I'm not so sure about. It. But I'm not personally that sure about it. But again, I am not an expert. I mean, there's a bit of a bandwagon effect, I suppose. But but I mean, most people. I mean, I, I mean, you you tell a labor supporter that Boris that the Tories won won won, won the by election in Hartlepool. I think I don't know how to pronounce it, and yeah. and I don't think that's going to convince any labor supporters to suddenly vote Tory or something. Mm. I mean, maybe it would. I'm not an expert. I'm not a political scientist. <laughs> yeah, mm, I'd be. I mean, I'd be. I'd be interested to see. It'd be very difficult to, to to do a study on trying to figure out what the impact of of seeing those supporting posts, like for example, the ones you, you the example you used, the hypothetical where you know underneath the Tory candidate, you would see people saying, "Oh, well, I used to vote Labour, but I'm going to vote for the Tory because this reason," or or vice versa. I'd be I'd be in, intrigued to see how much of an impact that could actually have on someone's opinion. It's it's really hard. To, it's really hard to test, and mm. it, it would also be extremely hard to test ethically, because. But I mean, I mean, I'm sure someone could. I'm sure someone could do a can do a study. But but there are just so many different different and disparate impacts, and 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 presumably it would work better in some countries than others. Mm. So one of the claims you made is that. Um, Investment priorities. The, the the quote I find was that um, investment priorities and associated internal workload makes it impossible to properly manage political manipulations. Uh, so, do you think that 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 this is because of just like pure profit motives? Um, is this by design? And and would it even be possible to 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 try and like effectively regulate the things that you've been highlighting? Or is that just not possible in your mind, at least? Okay, so I'm going to break this down to separate, separate, separate questions, of course. So the first is why is this going on? Why doesn't Facebook pay more attention? And I'm just going. And I, I think it's quite simple. At the end of the day, Facebook is a company. It's in the business of making money. It's not in the business of fixing the world out of the goodness of its hearts. <laughs> I mean, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg needs to sleep at the end of the night. But I mean, we, you don't expect Philip Morris Tobacco to reimburse the NHS when someone gets cancer and they and they and they have to get non-cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. You don't expect you don't expect you don't expect the fi- financial banks to keep the world economy from crashing. So, and that's why many countries ha- have federal reserves, national you know, banks that do this for them. And so an economist would call this an externality problem. That is that the cost is borne not by the company, but by the rest of the world, because that's ultimately what's happening. Like, like Facebook doesn't care if, if the government of Azerbaijan is repressing its own citizens on Facebook, except that Facebook employees need to sleep at night. At night. They're also human like you and me. And but 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 this the costs are borne, of course, by the people of Azerbaijan. But there's an additional dimension to this that makes it much more complicated, and that's the fact that this is going to sound very obvious as soon as I say it, but it's actually an interesting point. The point of inauthentic activity 
is to not be seen. And in fact, the better you are at not being seen, the fewer people will see you. And so when the average layperson goes out and looks for inauthentic things, they are afraid of Russian bots, Brexit bots, etc. They go out and look on social media. They do, not, they, do, they do not find actual people who are good at not being seen. They find people who are completely incompetent and terrible at not being seen. <laughs> or they find people who are, or they find people who are who are actually want to be seen and are pretending very hard that they don't want to be seen. And and and, and so this creates a perverse dynamic. I mean, Facebook is of course incentivized to focus on what gets public attention. And in other areas, it can make sense. If, if it's for instance, misinformation, if a politician says the moon is made out of green cheese or something, I mean, is it really that bad? If a politician says the moon is made out of green cheese and then an angry crowd storms Cape Canaveral trying to hijack a rocket to fly to the moon and steal the cheese, then, I mean, they would, the media reaction would be much worse and this serves as a proxy of how bad it actually is. And I'm sorry for the absurd example, but that's I mean, I, I wanted to make an example without actually offending anyone, I hope. No, that's a great example. <laughs> and, 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 and so the point, but with inauthenticity, what gets public attention is not the same as what is actually bad. And so this creates previous dynamics in which company focuses on what gets attention rather than what's actually bad. And economists recall this an information asymmetry problem that Facebook, that the only person who re- can really know what's going on inside Facebook is Facebook itself, but they don't have incentives to fix it. And so using an, an analogy again, suppose we live in a world in which cigarettes still give people cancer, but the only people who know that are the cigarette companies and the only people who can figure that out are the cigarette companies, then, then, then I mean, people won't be able to make smart decisions. The, gov- the government can't regulate. And the libertarian would say that people can make their own decisions and, and something, something free market, voice of the people, uh, and more, they, uh, more mainstream economists would say that the government should stop in. But both of these require people to know what's going on. And so without, you can't solve a problem until it, you know it, it exists. And that's part of the reason I'm coming forward to at least bring attention to that this is going on so that hopefully the world can try to fix it in some way or form. Mm. And the second question you asked is about regulation. And I am not, I want to be very clear about this. I am not a regulation expert. I am not a policy expert. I am not a legislator. I can give you my ideas, but they will quite frankly probably be stupid ones because again, I am not an expert. But I mean, I'm, I mean, and that's another idea on this that I think that it's that the government certainly could have a role in fixing the problem. A good chunk of the difficulty though is the is the multinational nature of the problem. That is, I don't think any country would feel comfortable about essentially letting the United States decide what flies on their own social media. On the other hand, if you take this to the United Nations or something, then the, the, the dictatorships of the world would quite frankly probably get together and, and, and say every country can do whatever it wants on its own social media, which is not great either. And so I think it makes sense for perhaps the OECD countries, for, 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 for the European nations, for the United States and Canada, for Australia and Japan and etc. to come together and work out a collective solution. Because, I, mean, I mean, in part because if one country tries going at it alone, I mean, you, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with what happened in Australia right now. And, mm. and, and also just because, I mean, I don't think it's 
the place of one country to dictate the rest of the road in general. Hmm. Mm, I mean, there's there's a few US states who are who are suggesting laws about controlling um, censorship or or clampdowns or uh, they're all very vague and and I think not not yeah. particularly well thought out the minute. But uh, I mean, I am at least optimistic that people are are moving in this direction because I, I you know yeah. you can't you can't I, I solve the problem to, unless you're. I, I do want to be clear that there's multiple different dimensions to potential problems with Facebook, and they only worked on one of them. So, so one of the concerns is about privacy, of course. And I mean, the, the European Union has GDPR, many, many nations like all US states have started having privacy laws and I did not work on privacy. And actually privacy is too a bit a natural enemy of security because quite frankly, you need data to find things. And I think, it, I think it's important to balance the two. And so I can't give you a strong opinion on the privacy. The second is content moderation, which again, I did not work on. So, so, so this is a bit, will take a bit of an explanation because the average person, they, immediately, they think when they hear inauthentic accounts, they also think misinformation, but these are actually completely separate problems that mm. are completely independent of one another. And what I mean by this is that misinformation is a content problem. It's, it doesn't matter whether you're an, a fake account, a real person, a grandmother who likes to knit at night, a prime minister, a president. If you say the moon is made out of green cheese, the moon is not actually made out of green cheese. I hope that people know that. And that's very clearly misinformation. If you say that moon people are evil and need to die, that's quite clearly hate speech. I'm using a fake you made up example because I don't actually offend anyone. And 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 so this and so and so the and so and so the facets of content violations is that first of all they tend to be quite they, they tend to be noticeable to the public. The public can look at content and decide: is it bad or not? Is it hate speech? Is it misinformation? So, sec, second, secondly, they they are independent of who's who the person saying it, and they tend to be easy to determine and hard. And but people have lots of philosophical disagreements on where the line should be drawn and acting on them. By which I mean that, of course, many people are like freedom of speech, but how bad is too bad? I mean, do we that if the moon is made out of green cheese fly? If it, but if they start on Cape Canaveral, like what's the difference? Really, the statement is the same. We have to consider context, and context is messy. Mm. And and I worked on instead on inauthenticity, which is which is really in, completely independent and agnostic of what the, the thing is is saying. If I use a fake account to say cats are adorable or dogs are cute, puppies are cute, there is technically nothing wrong with what I'm saying. Cats are adorable and puppies are cute. However. I am using a fake account to say it, so it's still inauthentic. Mm. It, and, 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 and so this has multiple facets and dimensions in that first, it's, it's basically, it's very hard for the public to determine if something is inauthentic. I mean, you see that someone's saying puppy, puppies are adorable, kittens are adorable, I'm totally not biased. <laughs> and, and, but I mean, you don't know if it's a real person or not. I mean, you can try to make your guesses, the guesses are often not very accurate. Um, on, the other, on the other hand, once you agree that something is fake, 
it tends to be very uncontroversial, by which I mean I am not aware of anyone serious defending the widespread use of fake accounts. I haven't heard anyone I haven't heard anyone saying, yeah, politicians should be allowed to run hundreds of fake accounts supporting themselves. I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone saying that. I mean, I'm, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people in the world. I'm sure these people exist, but <laughs> but it can be very manichae and black and white in, in comparison. And that's part of the reason they wanted to work on it. Because I didn't have to worry about what I was, whether what I was doing was the right thing or not, I knew that what I was working on was wrong, and I was getting rid of it. Mm. And 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 so most 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 concerns on Facebook have focused on inauthenticity and privacy, but in us, uh, uh, sorry, content moderation and privacy, but inauthenticity is a separate dimension that I don't think has faced regulation. Uh, of uh, of notable sorts. In addition, in addition, with the privacy and content moderation dynamics, regulation has generally been in the area of Facebook is doing too much, and people should have more rights. People should have more leeway, etc. Which I mean, people can come to their own conclusions about that, but that's the general gist of the legislation and regulation that I've seen. Mm-hmm. With inauthenticity, with inauthenticity, my personal concern is that Facebook is not doing enough. Mm. And 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 so I hope I'm being clear about the different facets and dynamics of the problem. No, you're being really clear. It's um, so right now. Um, when will this go out? This will be out in about two weeks, so I can talk about this. So I'm in the middle of writing a book about um, the 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 whole GameStop saga, um, and right now I'm focused on a bit where I'm trying to talk about um, on the online on on Reddit and in the Discord communities. Um, there's been a lot of talk of bots in in both contexts that you talked about scripts and people being paid to post things or upvote things or downvote things and and it's it is really interesting to hear you who has worked on the moderation side of it like help define the different types of of ways in which these these problems can can manifest themselves yeah um i was curious as to what you thought was the 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 most like what is what is the worst form? Is it? Do you find that that misinformation itself is is? Do you think is is something that needs to be clamped down on more, or do you see this inauthenticity as something that's worse? Because, it, yeah. So I want. So, okay. So so, 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 so so there's a number of questions here, and I'm going to unpack them. And first is that you were talking about GameStop and concerning about bots and etc. Mm-hmm. And I just want to extend a word of caution because I'm not personally familiar with, but the common trend I've seen is that people, uh, normal people, are extremely terrible at actually finding bots because, again. The point of not being of trying not to be seen is that you the better you are the fewer people will see mm. you mm. this is what and makes it was, so fascinating it, and there was a quite prominent example of this actually in britain back in back in in 2019 which i think was reported in the bbc and that was the boris bots saga that 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 there were a lot of people who were in the comments andrew boris prime minister boris johnson's page making comments and 
At first, it was brilliant Boris. I support Boris 100%, etc. All posting relatively the same thing. Eventually, they began posting broken and pseudocode, and people were very concerned about this. I was urgently tasked with investigating this twice in like September and October. Eventually, it went to Facebook like six times in total. I stopped paying attention after the first two. But the thing to realize is that these were not bots. These were actual people, actual Britainers, who, who, who were organically and coordinating with each other because they believed that it would be humorous to troll their political opponents by pretending to be badly disguised bots. And, wow. I, and it would be funny if it wasn't so sad because, I mean, yeah. and of course, and of course, that's saga um, like the people concerned about bots were naturally concerned about R- R- russia brexit redux or etc mm-hmm. and uh, but although their intentions were positive ultimately it played more into russia's hands by furthering the idea uh, of russian ubiquity and omnipotence that russia is everywhere and doing everything and it also further divided the country because the because the political left and was understandably concerned about this obvious spot supporting Boris Johnson, this is Russia again. Why isn't anyone paying attention? And the political right were were, and were concerned about. Well, yeah, the left always thinks that we're bots and we're actual real people. They're just trying to delegitimize our actual voices, and etc. And I realized that some people rehearing this will probably want to go and pretend to be bots, but I'm asking you, please don't do that because that's, they will not make the mess any better. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and and I hope, but, but the point I'm making is that when people go look for bots, they often find things that they think are bots, but are often not actually bots. And they don't, can't speak specifically about the GameStop saga or case, but they want to be extended a word of caution there. Mm-hmm. The second thing, of course, is, is you were talking about misinformation and inauthenticity and which one is worse. And I think they're really, or, I mean, they're, they're completely separate. They're, they're orthogonal problems and they only worked on one of them. It's like, I mean, it's like if you work, if if you ask a policeman who works on, who works on murder, whether he thinks murder is rape is or worse, he'll probably tell you that murder is worse. And if you tell a police, ask a policeman who works on rape, if he thinks rape is worse than murder, he'll probably tell you that rape is worse, or etc. I hope and. Uh, 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 and so and so, I mean, of course, I have my biases, and I'm trying to separate them out for this interview. But anyways, they're, they're separate problems, and I think that. I think that misinformation is probably much more widespread in the Western political contexts, however. And I think it's and it, I, I think that Facebook folk I think that the focus often is on inauthenticity, in part because I mean people are in for lack of a better word, traumatized by 2016 in that they keep seeing the they keep seeing the relics of the trauma everywhere. They're afraid of the same thing happening again. And I'm not Seeing the ghosts of the Russian bots everywhere, yeah, <laughs> and also because and also because people can agree. I mean, inauthenticity is something that people agree on. No one's saying that Russia that Russian bots should be allowed to do things. No one's saying that saying that politicians should be able to get fake accounts to do things. <laughs> and on the other hand, misinformation is very controversial in the United States especially but I'm sure also in Britain because mm. I mean no one can because I mean something something censorship what should the prime minister be allowed to say should, should Facebook be allowed to take down a US president etc 
but and, and I think that's uh, and I and I want to be clear that I did not work on misinformation. I mean, I encountered it by happenstance sometimes, but it was not my focus or my area of expertise. But I but I mean, at least in the Western political context, it certainly appears to be more of a problem. Hmm. The uh, the the thing that I picked up, the thing that I'm really looking at on the GameStop saga at the minute, at least anyway, is this thing where there are trackers that will track the the mentions of specific stocks on the subreddits, and then there seems to be posts then related to whatever like the specific abbreviation is that keeps getting posted by users but then they'll be seeming like spams of it and they're picking up on things that aren't actually stock names but they're just things that people are saying like abbreviations of like either joke stock names or people were talking about SSR which is um, short selling requirement as far as I'm aware it's like a term to do with it and then all of a sudden there was lots of people posting about how you have to buy that stock even though it's not actually a stock um it's so it's it's fascinating to try and figure out what's what's going on with that but i'm really curious as to um you said that the, the the boris bots turned out to be people coordinating to post so how do you figure that out so if this comes across your desk, like what is it that you're looking at? I'm not at? going to go into the, I'm not going to into go, go to go into the details of that. And they really students to be disappointed. But the reason of that is quite simple, and that's that actual Russians are perfectly perfectly capable of re- watching your podcast as well. <laughs> and, and actual and actual people who want to do bad things, and they will tell you how I caught a criminal. Future criminals will know how to, how to not get caught, and etc. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> I I hadn't even thought of that. Um, so why do you think governments have have um, sort of been either reluctant or unable to to make any kind of regulations on either inauthenticity, misinformation, or just uh, over Facebook and social media firms generally? There seems to be like a reluctance to to try and make any laws that would regulate it. But why do you think that is? So you want to decompress this. So uh, first, first of all, I mean, I think before misinformation, it's a thorny philosophical issue. Like mm-hmm. most, comp- most many countries want to respect freedom of speech in some way or form. Uh, and, telling a, and telling a private company that something it, that some specific amounts, types of dialogue aren't permitted on the company aren't permitted. It's something that most countries would do only in extraordinary circumstances. Like I, I believe Germany bans Holocaust denial, for instance, or something like that. Mm. But like, m- m- but most countries don't have bans of that sort. And but it's but it, and, and and so I, I think it's I think it's the case in which really the laws and society and legislators and society aren't equipped for the new problems of the tw- of the twenty tw- first century. Really. Yes. But I am really not an expert on misinformation. Mm. And with, with inauthenticity, meanwhile, I'd say that there's several dyna- dimensions to it. The first is that it's it's hard for legislators to act on what they don't know, like I said. The second the second is that the bulk of the inauthenticity problems I saw and worked on were were in were in were in foreign countries in broadly the global south in Latin America in Africa the Middle East South Asia South East Asia, but I saw very few of them in in Europe and North America. 
And I mean, okay, I'm excluding Latin America from North America, but you know. Hmm. And and the reason I think of that, I think it's 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 a combination of cultural dynamics, like. Like 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 in country like in like in like in other countries, I've I, I've caught politicians red-handed who are happily running fake accounts to support themselves, and I don't and for, and I don't think I never respond that in say a British politician, whether that's because it would never even occur to them or because they are more afraid of the British press or etc. I mean, same same. But I think that after a certain point, when everyone starts committing bad behavior, then people then it becomes normalized. I mean, similar to other countries, we're going through a red light. Red lights have become more suggestions than actual laws to be obeyed. Because I mean, if you go stop at the red light and then you see someone else zooming right through past it, you're wondering like, hey, what's going on? It's not like I'm achieving anything effective here. They're, they're driving straight whether I'm doing it or not, or etc. And so I think, uh, and so I think that creates a dynamic because of because of course, course countries are more concerned with the more domestic priorities, and, and and so they're unfortunately not as concerned about other nations as as Azerbaijan or Honduras or Albania or etc. And I and I hope this is making sense so far. No, it is. It totally is. Um, so do you think it's possible to build social media that is is less vulnerable, um, even just specifically to to the authenticity problem that, that you, you spoke about? I think it's possible, but it would have a lot of trade-offs because, because, because ultimately... There's going to be some level ultimately of inauthenticity in the, no matter what you do, for the same reason that police are, can't stop a crime from happening before it happens. Because, I mean, you think about trade, I mean, the only way they could start to have, have that happen is to arrest everyone, and obviously they don't want to do that. Mm. Like at Facebook, like at, face, like at Facebook, waste. Sorry, my cat come, came out. He's very demanding for pets. It's all right. <laughs> I lost my train of thought because he was standing up and wanted me to pet him. Anyways, <laughs> any, anyways, uh, I was talking about but you were talking about social media authenticity. Hmm. It's, it's, and, and, and so, on the authenticity side, many of the trade trade offs for 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 stopping in authentic accounts for for the first place place more constraints on user privacy uh, and make it harder for the user. Like for instance, a common way that Facebook verifies that you're a real person is that they ask you to provide identification, of course, and many people are very reluctant to do this because they're concerned about Facebook privacy flaws and et cetera. And so so that's a very basic example in that, for instance, Facebook could probably reduce fake accounts on its platform by asking everyone to provide identification, no matter what, but that would also be very dissuading and oppressive and alienating for many average individuals. And certainly I think that Facebook could draw the line a bit stricter, but ultimately I don't I don't see really ways to get around that issue without without severely compromising user 
the user privacy or functionality or etc. And and those are maybe trade-offs people want to make, but they want to be clear about the existence of those trade-offs. Hmm. So do you see the current giants of, of social media like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, essentially, TikTok? Um, do you see them remaining as the big platforms or do you think that that we will get new new social media that will come up and, and replace them to an extent? I am really not an expert on this. Don't, don't, I'm not asking for an expert opinion on this one. This is just what you think. I mean, I think it's pretty clear right now that these are the social media platforms that dominate social media. And Facebook is still continuing to, I mean, Facebook is a bit like Tafnong. It keeps growing no matter what the bad news is and keeps making more and more money. At the same time, past performance is no guarantee of future. It's certainly the case that I've never died before. And yet, for some reason, I'm very convinced that it will happen eventually at some point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you never know. 70 years time you don't know what's going to be possible um i keep i keep you know maybe it'd be nice to be able to choose not to die i don't know you'd maybe have to be very rich Uh, (laughs) obviously yeah i mean maybe i don't want to live forever in cyberspace it's pretty it's pretty toxic um but sophie we are basically uh at the end of the the r so um yeah i want to thank you for your time um and uh, your explanations it was really really useful and really informative um Mm -hmm. links to anything we've discussed i will put in the description below um is there anything that you'd like to point people towards or plug before we finish not particularly not particularly thank you very much for having me on i hope this was educational to yourself and your listeners well it definitely was to me you'll have to ask them i don't know um so yeah thanks very much thank you goodbye thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed the show please subscribe follow me on twitter or sign up to our mailing list Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.